Hey, I want to welcome you back to our Bible study on the Gospel of John. This is Brad Scott. I'm pastor at First United Methodist Church in Sweetwater, Tennessee. It's a cold morning here in the mountains of East Tennessee in November, and uh, we're uh, trying to stay warm, so we're going to have a little Bible study. Now, we're on the third chapter of John. We've been looking at some other things as we come along, and I have mentioned to you before that it's really important to notice how John frames a story, and um, especially when he gives you details about things like light and dark, because those things have to do with whether or not faith is present. And so we come to um, this story in John chapter 3, and it's one that I'm sure you've read before, uh, at least you've read part of it, uh, because in this chapter we have the famous verse that is often referred to in the New Testament, John 3.16, and it's a statement of Jesus to a man named Nicodemus. And uh, so let's look and see what it says. I'll read a few verses and then we'll talk about it. It says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. See, there it is. And said to them, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the things that you do um, I'm sorry, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So here's now the third chapter, or the, I mean the, yeah, we're in the third chapter and it's the about the third reference we've had to a sign from Jesus. Um, Jesus answered him and said, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be ashamed that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him 
may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness more um, rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to, to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done by God. Well, it's interesting, uh, interesting section. And it actually explains exactly what I started out talking to you. By the time, by the time we get to the end of it, Jesus talks about light and darkness. And we enter this story with Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. Now, who is Nicodemus? Nicodemus is a leader of the Jews. He is someone that the Jewish people would have referred to as rabbi. And uh, he himself refers to Jesus as rabbi. So it's almost a more of a collegial uh, address that is being used when Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi because you know, the disciples as they were called, as Jesus called them to follow him, um, began to use that term of Jesus. And it simply means teacher. And we know that Mary, outside the tomb, when she runs into Jesus and doesn't know it's him for a few minutes, uh, uses the term, my teacher, talking to Jesus. So that that's a term that we'll run into quite a lot, but uh, it's a term that would have been um, appropriate to use for Nicodemus. And uh, I've looked at the meaning of the name of Nicodemus, and it's a, it's an interesting name. It, it means victory for the people. And it's actually a, a name based on uh, the Greek language. It's not, uh, it's not a Hebrew form. It's a Greek form. Uh, which is very interesting. Here's a Jewish man with a Greek name. Um, but it's a name that refers to the people being victorious. So, you know, it's like his hope is that the Jewish people are going to be victorious over the Romans who have occupied them. And so he's he's looking for a leader to arise to help lead them into whatever rebellion they're going to go into um, to fight the the Roman enemy. And um, so it's interesting that his name is Nicodemus. There's two other places where Nicodemus appears in the scripture. One is in the seventh chapter in the 50th verse of the seventh chapter and it's um, they're having uh, an argument about who Jesus is and and uh, trying to decide whether to arrest him or not. And Nicodemus speaks up and says in verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, asked, 
our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? And they replied, surely you are not also from Galilee. Are you search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. And that's just an interesting thing is the, as Nicodemus sort of speaks up and almost, almost takes a defensive position for Jesus then the, they retaliate by uh, giving him what's really an insult. Are, are you from Galilee too? Which is kind of like saying, are you from the outback? Or are, are you uh, from the part of the country that all the country bumpkins come from? That's kind of that's what they're saying. Um, in other words, they're saying that he's unstudied and to have a, to say something like that means that that um, he may be letting the influence of Jesus become too strong in his life, according to the Jewish leaders at that time. And then there's one other place where Nicodemus appears, and it's an interesting place. It's in the uh, 19th chapter, and I think this is the only gospel that refers to him at this place. Um. This is after Jesus has died on the cross. And in the 38th verse, it says, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was, the, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. And then it says, Nicodemus who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. And then it just tells that they go ahead and prepare Jesus' body. So it's interesting. Nicodemus has come in the third chapter to Jesus by night, asking questions. He then, in the seventh chapter, defends Jesus before the Jewish leaders in a kind of, you know, not a real strong way, but in a way of just questioning whether they ought to slow down in their judgment of him. And then in the 19th chapter, he helps Joseph of Arimathea pre prepare Jesus' body for burial in the proper Jewish way of doing that. And uh, I think it's interesting how John weaves that into the text of his of his story, into the narrative of his story, um, because he certainly wants his readers to recognize that here was a Jewish leader who in his encounters with Jesus, as he begins to understand more about Jesus and who he is, begins to take on what looks like belief. Even in the 19th chapter, it talks about him having come by night. And it paints him with Joseph, who is a sort of a secret disciple, um, as someone who cares about Jesus by that point. So it's interesting. And this may be what uh, started, started it all, is when they had this conversation. And in this conversation, as Jesus speaks, um, he speaks past Nicodemus. Nicodemus has one thought process in his mind, uh, 
and he's hearing what Jesus says in one way, but Jesus is speaking in a way that can be interpreted in a different way than how Nicodemus perceives it. And John plays on this around the use of a Greek word um, that is translated being born from above and being born again. So Nicodemus is hearing again, and Jesus is saying from above. And it's a, it's a little different meaning when you look at it. So um, let's listen to what Jesus says. Now Nicodemus comes, says, Teacher, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. No one can do the signs you do apart from the presence of God. In other words, he's noticed that Jesus is doing these things, these signs. And um, so that's kind of, that's got his attention. So he says, all right, we know that this is going on. And, and Jesus, it's almost like he's wanting Jesus to give him more, give him more proof that he is the leader they've been waiting for. And Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, um, and a lot of a lot of the teaching narratives within John will have that truly, truly uh, statement in front of them. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Now there again, Nicodemus didn't hear it just right, so he says to him, "Well, how can someone be born after having grown old?" In other words, how can you go back in the in the womb? He even says that in the second question. Can anyone enter a second time in the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. So he's, he's, he's trying to give Nicodemus more, um, more to chew on, on what he said already about the kingdom of God. You can't enter it without being born of water and spirit. Um, a lot of times when we hear the gospel writers talk about John the Baptist, um, John's um, speaking about Jesus usually talks about the fact that um, he baptizes with water, but Jesus will baptize them with fire. Now, in John's gospel, he doesn't quite quite do that. He, he does say to them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know who's coming after me, and I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Uh, but we don't get the reference to baptism by fire, but we do get that in, the, in some of the other Gospels. And so um, here Jesus is talking about baptism. Remember I said we don't get sacramental accounts so much in John's Gospel as we get the meaning behind it. And so here we have a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus in which Jesus is really making reference 
to baptism. You can't enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Those are the two ways of being baptized, the two things that happen in baptism. You know, the water is, is an outward sign, but what goes on on the inside with the Holy Spirit is what actually makes us born from above. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus, who is still not able to quite grasp the concept. So he continues, what's born of the flesh is of the flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so here's the idea that, you know, the Spirit is something that you can't see. It's invisible. And that's why when we talk about baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit in baptism, you know, it's something that you feel or you see the results of, but you don't you don't necessarily see it. You know, you, we don't have pictures of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have pictures of symbols of the Holy Spirit, but we don't have pictures of the Holy Spirit because you can't draw a spirit like you can't draw wind, but you can show what wind has done. And that's what Jesus is playing with those images uh, to try to get deeper meaning across to, to Nicodemus about what it means to be born of the Spirit and born from above. And so Nicodemus finally just asked, well, how can these things be? And Jesus uh, kind of insults him. He says, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? In other words, he's, <laughs> he's, you know, he's kind of saying, uh, maybe you're too smart on things that don't count, uh, because here's what does count. And so he goes on to talk about it, in this way, again, with another one of those very truly statements. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Um, and, you know, what a revealing phrase. We speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Keep that in mind because we're going to revisit seeing and believing a little bit later in John. And um, here it is. Jesus is actually saying it. We testify. We give witness to what we have seen. Um, you know, that that's one of the ways that you get evidence in a court case is to have a witness, an eyewitness, to tell what they saw. And um, here Jesus is, is, is talking about that. He says, I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? So uh, here he's, he's more or less telling Nicodemus that, you know, there's, there's something deeper in uh, the understanding of God and how God works and how God is... Um, offering to open up the kingdom to him. Um, but um, it's hard for him to understand. So Jesus is trying to deal with that. Verse 13 says, No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, 
the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Uh, if you go back to the uh, first chapter when, in one of these parts dealing with uh, baptism of John in chapter in verse uh, 29 and down to about 34 uh, we've already heard some things about ascending and descending and here it is he says here's the John sees Jesus coming he says here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world this is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I did not know him, but came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified. So here's the testimony that we've already we've been talking about. And it, this just can, recurs throughout John. John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And um, then, it, then um, it says, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize the water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. And then the very last verse of chapter 1 is Jesus is talking to the disciples uh, he's t already said to them, do you believe what I told you because I saw, uh, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, you'll see greater things than these? And he said, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So here again, we have this uh, ascending and descending thing it's it's happened a couple of times now in verse 13 of chapter 3 no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the son of man and then we get that reference to Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness uh you remember that was a sign of healing uh it was if they looked at that pole with the serpent on it then they would be healed of any of their um, diseases and maladies, whatever they might be. And in a way, Jesus is saying that that's what the cross is going to represent, is the cross is going to be lifted up because Jesus says um, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And his body hanging on the cross is going to be like the serpent on the pole. But there's a little deeper meaning to that. When we go all the way back to Genesis, where do you where do you remember hearing about a serpent? You heard it in what was it about the second, third chapter of Genesis when Adam and Eve are uh, in the garden and they are fooling around the tree of life that they were told not to fool around, and there's a serpent. What's that serpent represent? The serpent represents evil. It represents Satan. 
And what Satan does through the serpent is make Adam and Eve question God's authority. Did God really say to you, blah, blah, blah? Um, and just bringing that question up began to sow the seeds of sin. And so what Jesus is doing, when he comes into the world, he is God incarnate, made in human flesh, and he's going to end up dying on a cross in which he'll be lifted up from the earth to redeem humanity just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. So this is kind of like the the um, antidote to Genesis and what happened in the garden uh, is Jesus being lifted up uh, on the tree of life, the cross, that gives us life as we believe in him through what he did there. And so uh, verse 16 explains it very clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. We will not perish if we believe in Jesus. Eternal life will be ours. And so here, that's the ultimate of what Jesus is talking about when he says you must be born from above to come into the kingdom to inherit eternal life, uh, you have to have that by faith in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to talk a little bit more about what that means. He says, indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That word saved um, is a word that could be translated rescued. The world might be rescued through him. Just think about that. You know, when you're, when do you need to be rescued? <laughs> when you're in trouble. The world's in trouble. And that's what Jesus is saying. And it can be saved. It can be rescued through the work that God is doing to, of sending the Son, Jesus, into the world. Those who believe in him are not condemned, he says in verse 18. You know, we're not condemned. Uh, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Um, you know, we ought to know better. Light should be something that we um, we look to, um, but we we tend to like staying in the uh, dark places. And uh, Jesus is acknowledging that. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. It kind of reminds me, you know, if you've ever been out in the yard and you've lifted a, a rock a lot of times when you do that, there's all kinds of little wiggly things that go scurrying because the light's just too much for them. They want to go to a dark place. And that's somewhat like our human minds and souls. Sometimes we want, we want to go to a dark place because the light is just too brilliant and it, it changes us too much. And uh, we think it's going to kill us, but it's not. It's going to give us life if we let it. Um, 
and the last verse of that says uh, in verse 21, but those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. So that's the, that's the closing part of this conversation with Nicodemus and kind of where Jesus leaves Nicodemus then um, and, we, and we see him in those other two places that I've already pointed out um, later on. But um, kind of believe that Nicodemus became, became a Christian. Uh, we don't ever see his name again beyond that. Um, but we feel like he would not have been included in John's account had he not become a, a leader in the early church. So we feel like Nicodemus probably was uh, uh, someone who became a disciple of Jesus Christ and possibly as a result of this encounter with Jesus where he clearly explained who he is and what he's about. You know, we have the advantage because we've had John 3.16 all our lives and we know what it means and we know that it means that if it wasn't for the fact that God loves us, we, we, we wouldn't be saved and we would be in uh, bad shape. So let's, uh, let's continue to thank God for sending Jesus into the world to be our light so that we can see and believe. Well, until next time, I hope you enjoy your study in the Gospel of John, and we'll look to uh, the rest of this chapter uh, in our next episode. Thank you so much. See you later. Bye-bye.